the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Communication on the NASDAQ at 601-8761 to take advantage of Lear Capital's Silver Investor Special. For a limited time, receive day supply. Just be one of the first. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning, and welcome in to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about today. Far be it for me to, like, say no to anything you want to talk about. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's quickly take a look at yesterday. Yesterday, I talked first things first about turbulence in the market. It's pretty turbulent. Started off going a little bit higher. Whoosh, went way lower. So the SP, which is 500, which had been up 10 points, ended down 28 points. Same thing with the Dow. It went up, but it closed down to a big old gap. They rallied back a little bit, but it's a pretty volatile day. News reports out of Italy. The center-left party is a slim majority in the lower house, but that party won not enough seats to control the upper house. Center-left reportedly won 119 seats, while Silvia Berlusconi, center-right party, won 117 seats. So you either get a contentious coalition, or you get another vote. European politics works a little different than the U.S. Better than expected earnings from Home Depot this morning, and Macy's helping out. Home Depot set the pace, the top fourth quarter expectations. Their guidance was below expectations going forward. But that shortcoming has been overshadowed by the fact that they're going to raise their dividend as well as do a $17 billion buyback of shares. That should lend some support, no doubt about it. Taking a look at Home Depot stock, and you have a play on the housing sector in the United States. It's a pretty nice play. I can't get excited by it myself, but it's a pretty nice play. Stock is up 5% today. Since 1990, the stock has been on a wild run, going at one point in time in 1990 from basically $2 a share up to where it was in 2000, uh, roughly what, $75 a share? 70 75 I don't quite remember the high. It's about 70 so then it fell back down to 20, then it goes back up to 40, and goes back down to 20, and now it's right back up to its near all-time high, $70 a share. So that's in the news today. Home Depot, positive. Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke, he's going to provide his semi-annual testimony on the economy and monetary policy today. He's going to do that at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So it's coming up basically right now. We'll get a little pieces here and there. The Case-Shiller Index is out. Home prices in 20 cities rose in the last 12 months through December by the most in any and then more than six years. The housing recovery is strengthening. The S&P Case-Shiller Index of property values increased 6.8% from December 2011, biggest year-to-year gain since July 2006, when it advanced 5.4%. So, 6.8% year-over-year. Not too shabby. Near-record low borrowing costs have helped. Gains in employment have helped. 
And this is all boosted property values. The number of houses on the market drops and foreclosures are easing. The improvements showing up the household net worth and confidence. When people are confident and they feel their net worth is growing, they're no longer upside down. They go out and go out on vacation and they smoke cigars. The key here is, is we're not getting juice from one sector. It's not just the West Coast. It's pretty spread across the U.S. Phoenix led the group of 19 cities that showed year-over-year increases with a 23% jump. San Francisco, the Bay Area, had a 14.4% jump. All 20 cities showed a gain. So Atlanta and Detroit had huge ups. They're best since dating back to 1991. 2012, very solid year. I thought housing, and I, I've been on record saying this since 2006, I thought it was going to be a 2012 to 2015 story. 2012 is pretty good. It's going to be a little bit lumpy here and there due to the amount of foreclosures in any given market, in any given state that can get dumped on the market pretty quickly. With that said, lumpy is okay as long as it works out over time. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We got the SP 500 up 5, the Dow up 102, NASDAQ's up 12, 10 year treasury sits at 1.88%, oil at $92 a barrel. Ben Bernanke saying, same old, same old. I'm going to continue to support the low rate environments, providing key support for the economy. Keep in mind, different countries have tried different approaches. Germany is like saying, okay, we're part of this EU, and we, we know we're the snobs. We know we're the best. Therefore, Greece, if you want to be part of us, you have to cut your spending. You have to take austerity measures. Italy, if you want us to help you and lend you money, you've got to cut your spending. Austerity measures. United States pooping our pants over the concept of cutting a very small amount of our government spending coming up on the end of the month. The sequestration. We're, we're cra- going nuts. The reason we're going nuts is our politicians are not lying to us. Yeah, they're lying to us. They're trying to get reelected, and they're trying to make it look worse than it's going to be, and they're trying to blame the other party. Who's going to win, the Republicans or the Democrats? Dun-dun-dun. I don't care. What I do care about, and I hope you do as well, the new Dancing with the Stars lineup just came out, and it's looking good. It's looking like one of those years. Dorothy Hamill, Jacoby Jones, Victor Ortiz, Ali Raisman, Winona Judd, Kelly Pickler, Andy Dick D.L. Hughley. Are you kidding me? This is like heaven. Phineas from Phineas and Ferb, a cartoon character is going to be on it. Disney's going to put a cartoon character on it. To get your calls in there, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. So one of the guys who's going to be on is uh, from the Super Bowl team. Scooby Jones, he ran the touchdown back. So yet another reason not to like him, right? Just throw it out there, in case anyone has problems. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Uh, JCPenney execs continue to have a problem. J.P. Morgan is laying off about 4,000 employees, heavily tied towards the housing mortgage side of their business. So expense reduction. Wall Street tends to like that, believe it or not. You socially don't like it, but Wall Street tends to like it for sure. Um, Macy's executives or just slamming Martha Stewart. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I've got a webinar coming up. We'll talk a little bit about that. I've got a seminar coming up late next month, but Black Wednesday right around the corner. You can find out at kdow.biz. It's kdow.biz. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Horses for Maine Courses. There's a horse meat scandal running wild across Europe right now. How can you protect the supply chain with traceabilities? Horse meat has appeared in beef products to varying degrees. Some have shown traces. Other products have had very high percentages of horse meat. IKEA, the latest company to get it scandalized by having horse meat in their Swedish meatballs in Europe. More and more consumers are making the choice you know, of knowing what they're eating. Farm to plate monitoring. Farm to plate. Horses as main courses. Yes, I realize I'm that guy. SP 500 up 5, the Dow up 102, the NASDAQ up 12. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton with NewFocusFinancial.com, or he can be found at NewFocusFinancial.com. Email comes from Cody. I'm interested in laws in California in regards to palimony. I'm in a great relationship. I've been in it for seven years, but I want to protect myself. I make $90,000 a year, twice as much as my partner. I'm a saver. My name is on the house. Uh, seven years of living together. She has a kid. I put down 55000 on the house. If we split, we split all costs in half. She's got that boy is my savings house, 401k, union pension at risk if things go south. What do I do to protect my assets? Well, it's a commingling situation. So if you have assets prior to marriage, or a lot of times this has to be done before cohabitation. Right. So let's say that you're going to get engaged and live together. Unfortunately, the best idea is to get the prenup prior to cohabitation. But even with that said, you should be able to to separate and keep your own assets separate as long as you don't. So if he had the house before he shacked up with her, and it's only in his name, it's going to always be only in his name. Yeah, but where you can run into problems is that if they use joint income to continue to make the mortgage payments, it taints the property. It's no longer a separate property, and it's a community property. So you need to keep very specific records and say, okay, your money that you're paying is going to cable and everything else. My money is paying the mortgage payments. He's basically screwed because he probably hasn't done that. They probably have a joint savings account where they both fund it is my guess. Right. Well, so let's say you come in and you have a taxable account you've been funding for a long time, an IRA, and your 401K. So what you need to do is once you get married or go into a cohabitation is really stop funding that account and fund other accounts. Make sure that that's listed and do your own trust your own living trust, and in your living trust, you have a schedule of community properties and separate properties. Clearly list that as a separate property and no longer fund it with joint assets. If you get money from inheritance or a gift, that can go into that separate property account to make sure that that doesn't get tainted with community property. Um, But even your 401k, you keep clear records of what the value was before you got married. And then, because that all the the value prior to marriage, that's all yours. But it's going to be funded now with community property assets, which is your salary. So that you have to, uh, that's going to be split. Long story short, because he's thinking of it in year seven, probably she is entitled to half. And most lawyers and most uh, mediators would say, just split it in half. Because you're not going to be able to back out of this without getting a huge legal bill to end. Uh, it's pretty easy. If you do a good job in keeping separate assets separate, it's if good. you do, if yeah. but again, he's asking at, in fear more so than in planning. Mm-hmm. So he my advice good. is, if you're going to live with women in the state of California, is treat them like a four-year bottle of wine. It goes bad after four years. Don't get to that fifth year of cohabitation. <laughs> never, ever, never. That one female listener you have is now gone. I'm teasing. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, no. Next show is women wait, 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 wait. I know. You know I, I met that. We're... You know I met that woman last year. who was 29. She had right. lived with a guy for six years. She had maxed out her 401k. She had paid thirty thousand dollars of his debt off. Mm-hmm. She was cohabitating. He could have taken her for fifty percent of her worth, even though he spent everything and saved nothing. Um, she was the breadwinner, yeah. or she was the saver. And in the state of California, he could have gone to court and said, I want some of that. Well, most marriages end. You know, 50% of them end, and then they go do it again. And so if now you're going you to do it again. Now you've lost that one married couple who've been married for 40 years. <laughs> 
But let's talk about a prenup agreement, too, especially as a business owner, because what you can clearly spell out in a prenup, for example, or typically if you do it right, um, so I've been told I'm not an attorney, so don't think of this as legal advice, but um, if you're a business owner, you get a certain amount of money from salary and a certain amount from profit distributions. And in the prenup, you might need to spell out that, okay, I, the salary is community property going forward, but the profit distributions aren't. Okay. That's something to think about. If you've been burned and you've already lost half your company in a, in a divorce, right. then you also have to think about protecting that again. Don't, do the, don't make the same mistake. Prenups, postnups, all good things to talk about. And again, Cody, if you're worried, strongly consider sitting down with her in the good times and saying, like, look, I'm, I want to protect you. I want to protect me. I want to make sure that we plan for, you know, our future financially intelligently. So let's do this now. There's no shame in having the conversation honestly and openly versus waiting till you know, what's going to come out of the dark. Any last thoughts in the last 30 seconds? Uh, no. I mean, it's something that you probably should educate your kids, too, because, um, you know, basically the age of our audience, a lot of people have kids and starting to talk to them about these types of finance issues, warning them about knowing the financial views, goals of people that they're starting to date, yep. um, their credit, you know, how they view money. It's, it's really important to talk to your kids about this stuff as well. I tell people in their 20s, marry wisely, wait till you're 30, maybe 35. To get your calls in the air, you can always call the show 800-516-1220. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. So there's a company that's publicly traded called AMC Networks, and you know them from Mad Men. You know them from The Walking Dead. They've got a show out now called The Talking Dead, which follows The Walking Dead, and it's getting higher ratings than NBC's Smash. A cable show about talking about a television show that was just on is getting more than a television show first time to air. All about young kids singing and dancing and shucking and jiving and moving and grooving and, well, that. Wall Street's interesting. Public traded company, AMC Networks. Um, it's a company that I was interested in a couple years ago, but now that Walking Dead is starting to get probably halfway through its run, maybe close. And Mad Men's sooner than than ever going to end its run. It's got two years left, probably. You, gotta be, you just got to be careful. So it's not a stock for the week. Uh, it hit an all-time high, The probably right around the day they did the Super Bowl commercial. Uh, it's gone from 30 to 60 in the last couple of years. It's too far. I like the company. I like their product. But in the end, how much product do they really have? You listen to me, Rob Black. So, and again, I hope they put themselves up for sale. Rob Black, your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Turn the lights off. Carry me You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. The Wombats jump into the fog. The Wombats. Teen driver fatalities grew last year, reversing a downward trend. Tragic. One of the things that I do on this show is try to get you to retirement. Tragic when parents have to bury their own children. It happens, but it doesn't happen enough to get life insurance on a child. More teenagers are dying in car accidents. State by state look tells you that basically more kids are driving. The economy is improving. 16 and 17-year-old driver deaths increased from 202 to 240 during the first half of 2012. It's a 19% jump. States are cutting back on their graduated driving programs. 
where you could drive a little bit when you're 16, a little bit when you're 17, a little bit more when you're 18. So, bad economy, teenagers stay home. Good economy, teenagers go out and drive. That could be the simple fact for how to look at these numbers. Oh, I had a father who wasn't the coolest guy at times. So he was tough. We didn't really want to learn how to drive with him. All the brothers kind of taught each other how to drive. But be the parent who teaches your kid how to drive. Be the parent who gives the unconditional call if you're drinking. Because there's no sense. It does not make sense to bear a child. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. John Driftermer, he's a cameraman and director. He was killed in a plane crash during the TV filming of a TV show called Dangerous Flights. Ironic or just sucks? I I don't know. One thing that I don't like doing is uh, putting myself in areas where you could obviously die. You're not going to see me jumping out of an airplane anytime soon. Only because I'm going to be the guy the shoot doesn't open for. I don't think you're going to be hurt. I'm going to. So, uh, an odd little story out of the Academy Awards. I don't know how many of you watched, how many of you pulled for Quentin Tarantino. He clearly writes movies for adults um, who've got a little bit of a kid inside them. The Academy Awards, Ben Affleck has gone from loser to hero. Daniel Day-Lewis said after winning a third Academy Award for playing Lincoln, he's like, I didn't really like the guy. I thought he deserved to die. You're like, Really? There's a guy who's very choosy. In careers, I've got a friend who's looking for a job right now. And I don't want to say too much, just in case. It's a little too close to home. Choose new jobs carefully. Daniel Day-Lewis shows us, you know, look, you don't have to be in a lot of films to be a, a big movie star. Choose your films wisely. Most people tend not to. Teach calls in there. It's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Right now, I've got pretty much so editorial control in the jobs that I work at. I don't make a ton of money. I've made my money. I'm basically retired. I'm not working for dollars, if you know what I'm saying. I wouldn't change jobs unless the money was greater, because I know the editorial control would be lower. But if I were the average guy out there, I'd be very cautious about changing jobs. I would look at how much health care I'm getting. Do you get to participate in the 401k immediately? Because that's important. So be wise. As you're pretty, so be wise. Wolves may lurk in every guise. There's a lot of myths out there about debt. People like Susie Orman are pretty aggressive, like, debt's bad, debt's bad. I don't think debt's bad. I think borrow carefully, borrow conservatively is important. You need to be very conventional. You know, consider, like, store brand credit cards. They offer no interest financing. They offer rewards on store-bought products. Sounds great, right? But if you carry a balance, after a promotional period, it comes back and bites you. Hard. Now, consumer debt or store-brand credit cards totally different than mortgage debt. 
I think down payment may be a great way to steer clear of a huge home loan. But if you get the money for the down payment from relatives, lenders may scrutinize your details a little bit closer. You know, one of the bigger myths out there that people fall into is once you marry, you're responsible for your spouse's debt. A lot of couples think that when you marry someone, it means merging your debt loads, but that's generally not the case. While a lot of couples opt to pay down the debt together, neither spouse is usually legally obligated to pay off the debt that you know the other incurred prior to marriage. You know, know what you're responsible for. Credit cards from your favorite retailers are a good deal or a bad deal? Typically, they're a bad deal. You know, Apple, great retailer. We all know them. We all love them. If you don't pay off your debt within the prescribed time, you typically have to pay interest on the entire amount you initially were charged retroactively, typically at a higher rate than you know. For instance, Apple, they offer you 18 months interest-free on purchases on a Barclays card. But if you don't pay it off in that time period of 18 months, you face a variable annual percentage rate of 23%. 23% is one of the craziest damn things I've ever heard. I can't imagine borrowing money at 23%. Another big myth out there is that you're too rich for federal student loans. 41% of families earning $100,000 or more didn't file for the free application for federal student aid, FAFSA. And it's a mistake. So consider, you know, at least applying to see what you do get in grants and loans. If nothing at all, you've done it. Federal loans are pretty flexible. Private loans, not so much. Paying your mortgage each month will absolutely hate help your credit score, right? It's not necessarily true. The typical scoring model for FICO... Cuts your score for missing mortgage payments. But don't expect to get a lot of points added to your score if you make them on time. Missed payments tell you a little bit more about credit riskiness to lenders. On time doesn't. That's kind of weird, right? Money from a family member actually hurts your down payment. You'd think that it helps your down payment, but it actually hurts. It's kind of a red flag that, you know, you're not all that. You didn't bring your own down payment. You had to get it from a family member. And how often will your family member come back and help you? They don't know. Um, Lenders like to season money. They like to see a big chunk of money in your bank account for a long period of time. It's been seasoned. Um, you know how tough it is to get a home loan right now? It's not tough to get an auto loan. A lot of people think the two are tied hand in hand. Anyone with decent credit is going to get a loan at a lower rate than they've ever seen before as far as cars go. So that's because there's a terribly low delinquency rate right now for auto loans. They're doing great. They can afford to take a little bit more risk. So they're taking chances and they're they're you know lending out a little bit more. So high income and credit score means you'll be pitched the lowest interest rates on credit cards. That's just false. You know, Visa Black Card carries around a fifteen percent rate. That's the lowest. The lowest rate reward cards typically go for about eleven percent. So just because you've got great credit and a great income doesn't mean you're going to get the cheapest rates on credit cards. If you looked up your credit score, you know your credit score? No way. You know, lenders pull three different credit scores. An auto loan will you know, pull a score tailor-made for that kind of credit product. 
which is totally different, right? So, a late credit card payment doesn't have to damage your credit score. It doesn't have to hurt your credit report. And a lot of companies don't report a late payment to a credit agency until your payment's 30 days late. When it becomes more problematic. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDO. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Little Silver Sun pickups. Panic switch. Aye! So, I'm not thinking this sequester is going to be that significant of a real event. I am thinking it's going to be dramatic, though. Low pay at Weight Watchers protest as stars rake it in. Um, yeah. Yeah. I That should surprise no one, right? There's a Weight Watcher leader who lost 97 pounds. And she's basically, you know, one of many who's trying to get the company to pay them more. Weight Watchers, the company, reported a 15.6% decline last year in earnings. As you have a tougher economy, people are like, you know what? I may just go for a walk today. Most of their leaders in their stores get minimum wage. I almost wish that would be a program supplemented by the federal or state governments, right? How much money we could save on our health care costs by getting people skinnier? With that said, you know... Go get another job. I don't think it's up to the corporations to necessarily, automatically, pay crazy high wages. Low-wage workers have become a lot more assertive with a, a voice. There's no doubt about it that corporate profits have rebounded to record levels in a lot of industries. And as Jessica Simpson and Jennifer Hudson, you know, I, you know they're 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 peddling at least health, which is positive in my book. Whereas you look at somebody like uh, Beyonce, who's pushing Pepsi, and she's basically pushing diabetes. To me, there's no difference f- from saying you know drink Pepsi to smoke a cigarette. One's a little bit more tolerated. But low wage workers are getting more assertive. Listen to this. JP Morgan's going to slash 15,000 mortgage jobs by the end of 2014. They're going to save $3 billion. You look at a company like JP Morgan, and you're like, didn't we bail them out? Didn't we lend them money? They paid it back. You know, cutting 4,000 jobs would save about a billion dollars. Cutting 13,000 jobs would save about $3 billion. Mortgage production revenue. It's going to get to the point where they're just sitting around doing nothing. Production revenue is up 70% in 2012. Refinancing volumes are, you know, going to decline. So does J.P. Morgan owe their employees the right to sit around and earn a paycheck even though they're not creating value for the shareholders? Is it all about the shareholders? I don't know. Maybe I do know, but I'm not going to say because I don't want you exploding on me with anger. When it comes time to go crazy, I don't want to be the object of your affection. Home prices rose 6.84% in the month of December. That's good news, right? 
bad news. It's a large number. It's more than inflation. And you're not going to be able to sell your house for more 6.8% more unless someone's making 6.8% more in, in wages. Your house is tied towards affordability. You don't want to create a house of cards again. So I don't like seeing that number because it gets people juiced. New home sales are running at the fastest pace since 2008. Keep in mind that homes have to be built every day, every year. Some paces get ahead of themselves, some paces get behind themselves, but you get a hurricane or two. You get an earthquake or two, and you know, homes have to be built. You get a situation where people move into apartments after getting foreclosed, houses have to be built. Okay, so those are two housing stories, right? Housing prices are going up too fast in my book, which is fine. I benefit from it. It's negative because I think it creates bad expectations. It's negative because rising housing prices drive down affordability for others. I don't want the 90-year-old guy to have the house appreciation. I want the 30-year-old couple to move into a house. I think it's a healthier economy. You might get one, two jobs out of that. that create taxes. You get consumers out of it. You get baby makers out of it. So I like affordability. An estimated 48% of home buyers could afford to purchase a single-family home. That's down from 49% last quarter. And it's down from 55% a year ago. In California, again, the average home is 353000 I don't know one city within 20 miles of San Francisco where that's the average home. Housing affordability improved in some areas like Alameda, Contra Costa, Marin, Napa, Santa Cruz, Fresno. It's a lot less affordable in San Francisco, Monterey, Santa Barbara, Madera, Sacramento, most affordable homes, San Bernardino and King County. Least affordable homes, San Francisco. So that's three housing stories. If I were to try to squeeze one more in, it would probably be too much and your head would blow up. So I won't do it. We'll take a break here. You're listening to me, Rob Black. Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. There's a place you can... Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Tell me what's happening on the stock market today. Stocks rebounding after Monday's steep declines. We're having a great year. And we're going to get some hiccups here and there. SP 500 is up fractions. The Dow's up 89. The Nasdaq's up 3. The 10 year Treasury sits at 1.87% after playing with 2% last week. Tickle, tickle. He couldn't hold it. New home sales jumped 4 to a four and a half year high. Positive number sales of new single family homes surged to their highest level in four and a half years. Supply of houses on the markets was the smallest since March 2005. Further evidence that housing has muscle. Autos have muscle. We have the oldest fleet we've ever had in the United States. We're going to need new vehicles sooner rather than later. The market for used cars is hot, hot, hot. I know you're saying, please don't ever do it again. I'm so, so sorry. Um, top stories. Gosh, I could probably like blow through these, right? Stocks are rebounding. I, I have to throw out Home Depot as a solid number, good earnings. Macy's solid number, good earnings. Investors are d- digesting economic data. We're looking at company-specific data. We're looking at Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke giving a semi-annual report on the state of the economy to a congressional committee on Capitol Hill. Yay, right? This is all, like... We don't have to think about Italy. Italy is so yesterday. Post-election 
paralysis. Okay, this whole sequester thing, this is is the big bully pulpit as I'm going to get on. It's not going to affect our economy much. If our Republicans and Democrats can't figure out one half of 1% and be cool with it, phased in over well over a year of automatic spending cuts, do you understand how difficult it's going to be to ever get anything done? It's pathetic. Republicans, you're pathetic. Democrats, you're pathetic. You're just trying to get reelected, and you're trying to scare people in the process. It's pathetic. Do we need to make sweeping changes? Absolutely. Will we have the courage to make sweeping changes? I doubt it. This is a very turbulent stock market right now for the first time of the year. We got a little bit complacent. People were making way too much money, way too fast, and their stock bond funds. And they're like, sweet. And then we had that little pocket of, of pressure, and we dropped yesterday. Bring out the new underwear. Get the resolve ready, because it's going to take some sort of cleaner to get that, that mess out. And now you're saying, you sound like you speak from experience. No, when I talk about a fire hose, that's what I'm speaking from experience. Oh... What do we have to throw out there? J.P. Morgan said they're going to cut three to 4,000 workers. Is that good news or is that bad news? Depends on if you own J.P. Morgan or not, or if you work there or not. From a stock standpoint, it's probably pretty good news. The company's going to save money over time. The reality is, is they're cutting workers from an area that's going to see a slowdown. Mortgage refinances. So there you can see both positive and negatives. The negatives is it's going to hurt the individual people working there. AMC shares are down. I told you last week that, you know, I like the stock. I recommended the stock. But not anymore. It comes a point where the stock did everything I wanted it to do. They've got Breaking Bad, which is going to wrap up this summer. They've got Mad Men, which is going to probably wrap up next year. Eight seasons is a long time to watch a TV show. And they have Walking Dead, which probably has another three to four, maybe five years left in it. And then the creative juices start to go. AMC reported revenue of $367 million. So for now, I think what it could be done is acquired. They got a juggernaut in The Walking Dead. They have a second TV show called The Talking Dead, which is basically a low budget. Let's talk about what we just watched. Thank you. There's a TV show talking about what we just watched. If that doesn't drive you crazy and say there is no creative juices, and it gets higher ratings than TV shows like Smash on NBC, and this is, you know, cable. Credit card companies, Visa and MasterCard, unveiled industry partnerships and technology systems intended to make it a little bit easier for you and I, consumers, chomp, 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 to purchase online with mobile devices or in physical stores without having to pull out a credit card. MasterCard's introducing MasterPass, allows cardholders to store their card information in a single software program that can be used to make payments to merchants when you sign up with their service. Visa, not to be outdone, basically came up with the same damn thing, but they made a partnership with Samsung. And that's, you know, going to be positive. Payment networks have long set their sights on eliminating cash, trying to capture more transactions, processing it over their networks, increasing their focus on technology. There's a company called Square, which was founded by Jack Dorsey, who I think I have a little bromance. Well, okay, no, no. I think I've got a little stalking crush on. I know you're saying, that's inappropriate. I, I, I just admire what he does. He starts Twitter. He starts a company called Square. And he's doing a really good job of it. So Samsung partnership with Visa, it seems to make sense with the growing popularity of the Galaxy phones. 
you know, MasterPass is one of a growing number of applications analysts have dubbed digital wallets. Visa has attracted over 50 million, uh, 50 million, 50 banks to sign up for what's called V.me. Companies like Google and eBay have their own programs as well for payments. But payment networks and new technologies have kind of like an uphill battle. Trying to encourage people to adopt new services. Consumers have been slow to adopt mobile payments, and I don't see why. You know, at some point in time, we're going to figure out, I have to go back to the house to get my keys. I have to go back to my house to get my phone. I have to go back and get my wallet. Can't we have all three of those things on one device? We certainly could. I know you're saying, um, Rob, you look like you've gained a little weight. It looks like you're going back to the buffet table, too. Okay, maybe I have. Maybe I have. So Visa doesn't want to be a bottleneck. So they've created a program that will allow mobile phone manufacturers, point-of-sale terminal makers, and other companies to move quickly to certify their products. Visa's working with a company called Rome. Rome makes mobile credit card readers that have grown in popularity amongst smaller merchants. Visa's working with Samsung, trying to equip new devices so that they can do the pay wave. I would so much rather wave my phone at a terminal versus pull out a credit card and give it to an 18-year-old with way too many tattoos. I don't mind some tattoos, but way too many freaks me out. It's a fun time to be alive. Don't leave me high. Don't leave me dry. Come right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on the Wall Street Business Network. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. This Bay Area update is brought to you by Garmin. We're still... Z, Landmark Landing, the home of the no-closing cost... You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're going to hear something called second screen. Second screen implies the concept that when you're watching one screen on television, you're sitting on your couch, playing with your iPad or your phone, the second screen. You're going to see more engaging television experiences, I think. Fox Broadcasting this morning is up in the ante with the launch of a new syndication network that will distribute the network's TV show companion content. You know how you hear at sometimes at the end of the show, and for a longer look at next week's episode, go to the website. Why not to say, while you're sitting on the couch, go to this website, and it'd be an app. So what you're watching is automatically synced up. Trying to keep people engaged in programs longer. I don't know. Just work with me on that, okay? You don't have to like me. Just work with me. SP 500 is up fractions. NASDAQ's up 90. NASDAQ up 4. Joining me now, certified financial planner Chad Burton. Chad, one of the areas that I think we could be of service to our listeners is telling them what we actually do and some of the, the tools that they could use to do it themselves. Keep in mind that it's, it's a long day. 12 to 14 hours to be a financial planner, financial advisor, investment advisor. It's not easy work. It's, it's, it's very math-centric. It's a lot of research. It's staying on top of things. One of the areas that people make mistakes in is that they try to do, like, own 10 to 20 stocks. You need to spend at least two to three hours a week on any stock that you own, at least two to three hours. Yeah. So it's a lot of work when you start adding up 10, 20, 30 stocks. People can't possibly follow them. No, really, and, and, and having a portfolio that's really over 30 stocks is overkill anyways, because okay. at that point, you might as well buy an index fund or an ETF, because you know if you're going to take, let's say it's a 20-stock portfolio, you're doing 5% positions to get you know up to 100%. So if, you, if you're going to take the time to do it, you want a good pick to actually have an impact on your portfolio. So you know we've got the whole team that, that follows the 20 to 30 picks that we usually have. Right now, we have about... 18 picks, right. a little bit of extra cash, but but that's a full-time job. And then we yeah. have a whole bunch of different sources that we buy and research from, including a you know $2,000 a month Bloomberg terminal sitting right there. 
Now, with that said, Bloomberg Terminal, awesome tool. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. It's an amazing tool. Morningstar.com is a website that you can run your portfolio through, and you can use it for free for two weeks, the Portfolio Analyzer. That's Morningstar.com. Mm-hmm. What are some other resources that people could try to tap into? Well, first of all, be careful of research, re- resources that are kind of the market timing type of resources. Okay. Um, you can look at what other portfolios are doing. I mean, there's there's there's... Places like financial engines, which help you get an idea with creating an investment policy, for example. An investment policy is very important because it'll, it keeps you from making bets that are too big one way or the other. Okay. Because as soon as you make a bet too big one way or the other, you're typically wrong. Like, like those people that you know, totally get out of small cap and mid cap because they're super scared, usually they're super scared after one or two years of bad returns which are then followed up by some super big returns in those areas. That's just how small cap and, and emerging markets work, for example. So you create an investment policy statement that says, you know, here's my pie chart. This is what I'm going to invest in between small cap, large cap, mid cap, international, commodities, real estate, bonds. And you might allow yourself to overweight 10% above or 10% below your investment policy that you have. Sure. But don't go over that. It kind of forces you to sell, and that's the hardest type of to, uh, part of investing. Buying's easy. It's fun to find that sexy ETF or the fund or getting into tech or whatever you want to be in. People ask me when to sell. It's, it's, to me, it's the same reasons for when you buy, mm-hmm. but opposite. Right. I like the CEO. I like the margins. I like the revenue. I like the earnings. I like the profitability. So you would sell if the CEO leaves or if the margins deteriorate or if the revenue declines. Like, it is easy if you're a robot like me. Yeah. Well, the emotions kill investing. So the best way to invest is just do what the opposite of what your gut says. You're probably going to be better served. But investment policy, if you're doing funds and ETFs, it says, I'm going to, uh, my weighting is 25% in large cap, for example. Yeah. That's not what my recommendation is. But let's say it's that. If that goes up to 35%, you need to trim it. You need to sell some of that growth and put it back to somewhere that didn't do as well. Because if you have growth in one area, you're going to have a decline in another, and that's when you want to rebalance. Or if it's an individual stock portfolio, and let's say you're doing 20 stocks, that you're buying at 5% positions, as soon as that hits 7%, peel the 2% of the gain off. Peel that off and rebalance so that you're taking the house money off the table. Selling's okay. Yeah, sometimes it means you're going to pay taxes, but that means you've had a gain. I'd rather have pay taxes on a gain than try to write off a loss. Okay, short answers here. What do you think about Barron's Magazine? I like Barron's, especially when they kind of play the devil's advocate. So when they see a lot of stuff in media that's really you know, touting a, a certain trade or a sector, they'll come in and be the devil's advocate. Investor's Business Daily. Um, it's okay for general direction. Um, if you're more of a short-term investor, it, I think it's a great tool. But it's probably the third or fourth place that I'll read. How about Wall Street Journal? like the Wall Street Journal, especially on the personal finance articles. And the overall global news. How about something like Wired Magazine, which shows future tech trends? Uh, useful or not? Uh, it's, I think it's more useful for somebody that's like investing in that or working in that yeah. area. I used um, to um, actually got one of my cheats was the, in the early 90s. They did an article on there's going to be this super fast technology called DSL. And <laughs> instantly I, I go, I go and it, before Google. I, I go to the Internet, I type in DSL companies, and I, I found a cheat sheet on companies that were going to be offering a super fast Internet. And a lot of them did very, very well for me, but I couldn't possibly recommend that as a, a tool that's going to work each and every time. Yeah, yeah. How about ValueLine? You a ValueLine guy? Love ValueLine, especially for the, the, the more mature investor that's looking for the dividend yeah. growers and buying stocks that, that kind of are in the more stable area. Yeah. Um, another new site that I absolutely love is briefing.com. I go to that every morning. It's one of the first places I go. Yeah, and so that's not cheap uh, to get a professional service, but yeah, it, it, it's worth it. If you can, like, maybe if you're an investment club with 10 of you, you'll pull your money, pull your resources. And that, that's something I recommend, pooling resources. And I think investment clubs are a great idea for people too, Chad, because... It teaches you that we're all different investors. And, for instance, I, I once did an investment club with women, and they were the more mature women, if you know what I'm saying, um, i.e. elderly. Uh, one woman in that group was just as big as nasty as BIT, and I'm not going to you know, go there. But, <laughs> and no one liked her, but she was probably the best investor because she would always bring up the negatives. It's easy to find the positives, but to find the negatives is a lot more difficult in this society. Yeah, you know, an investment type of a committee like that when you're when you're working with other people it's it's almost like an argument i remember i hired uh, one of our analysts and one of the, after one of the first investment policy committee meetings that we had yeah. we go in and argue our case he came into my office i don't think the meeting went very well is there something that i did wrong i mean it seems like you were really mad at me and i'm like no you can't take that stuff personally if you come up with an idea i'm going to try to shoot it down until you can convince me that that's the right idea and you have 
you know, uh, your your theory is right and you believe it's right. In hindsight, was Chicken Little right? <laughs> no, no, I'm not calling him Chicken Little, but I know who you're talking about. With that said, that's certified financial planner Chad Burton. You can find him online at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So GM is denying this morning that they've asked the government to let them pay their CEO $11.1 million. They say it's false. I don't care. I try to deal with stories that I can actually deal with. This is Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Call the show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Tom Brady signed a three-year deal to stay with the New England Patriots. Probably about $30 million less than he had to. Going rate for a top-tier quarterback is $20 million. Three-year contract extension for $27 million. Why do you do it? It's smart salary cap maneuvering. Specifics, the specifics of it um, are complicated. But at the end of the day, Brady's extension frees up about $15 million in salary cap for the Patriots to use on other players. He wants to win more Super Bowls. They could address needs in the defensive backfield by resetting their cornerback. Go after Ed Reed. The only downside for the Patriots is they're committing dollars and years to a guy who's old. This is when quarterbacks start to go down. This is when Brett Favre, his career started to decay. Kurt Warner, 38 years old. I look at Tom Brady and I go, he's got a fabulous life. I've got an okay life. He's got a fabulous life. From the woman he married to the fact that he's half celebrity, half athlete. His endorsements tallied a massive ten million last year. Under Armour is one of his main deals. Oops, got a steeze. He's a spokesperson for Uggs, which is just fabulous. He's watched for his fashion, which is pretty silly. He's married to a supermodel, who happens to be Brazilian. Giselle Bunchen. I think supermodels are probably the happiest people on earth. I think they could actually probably solve the budget impasse. He dated and had a son with actress Bridget Moynihan in his pre-Giselle Bunchen days. Good choice to get rid of her. He's bought a lot of real estate. Has a Boston condo, $10.5 million. He's building a ridiculously big $20 million mansion in L.A., his cars are nice, but they're not too gouty. He drives a regular Audi. 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 He was a six-round st- uh, pick coming out of college. So just throw that out there for you. I know. So uh, Home Depot had a pretty lofty good quarter. They're up in their dividend. They're buying back $17 billion in stock. I like buybacks like that. That's a pretty big one. I'd like I like the dividend increase. 
in the end, uh, I think it's a smart move. New home sales are running at the fastest pace since 2008. J.P. Morgan slashing 15,000 mortgage jobs by the end of the year. By the end of 2014. Visa and MasterCard, I just told you, they're doing a mobile platform trying to get us to pay with apps or trying to get us to have our information embedded into our phones. Remember that bad review for Elon Musk and the Tesla? Turns out it costs about $100 million of the company's stock market value. Uh, because of the New York Times article, they did actually get a lot of cancellations. People started thinking about it, how much they want to pay to have limited drivability. So that's a pretty big fail, right? Other big stories out there of note today. And this one comes as a bit of a surprise to me. The not-so-golden years. The golden years are supposed to be a time when you're enjoying life, right? You've accumulated a lot of wealth. You've accumulated a lot of family. You go and watch the ocean a lot. You know, the good news is when you're 75 and older, you shouldn't have a lot of debt. The bad news is Americans who are 75 and older have very few options when they take on debt because they've got that fixed retirement income. I've got a friend right now who's 70, 70, and she works as a nanny, and uh, she was telling me that she came to a refinance because she doesn't have real income. She's got that under-the-table income. She's like, it used to be that she could get a mortgage with the assets. Not so much. Percentage of people 75 and older who have debt have grown from 31.2% up to 38.5%. The average amount of debt for people over 75 has doubled in three years, going from $13,600 to $27,400. That's crazy. Like, that's almost sad. Again, my mom's got debt. She's got mortgage debt. So sometimes these numbers could be a little skewed. But somehow I think we're all sensing they're not skewed this time, right? Other big stories of new today. Um, new home sales much better than expected. Home price increases in the 20 top U.S. cities far higher than expected. So I, I like seeing that. You know, I'm not going to jump up and down over that. One area that I don't... This is tough to talk about. Paying for your child's education is a great goal. As parents, we want to love our children and to raise them in a healthy atmosphere and have them participate in some of our childhood best memories. I love teaching kids how to swim. Because I loved swimming as a kid. Parents who are saving for college frequently raid their own retirement funds. That's a little bit of a sad one, because remember I was talking about seniors who have debt problems? They can kind of go hand in hand. 1,600 parents with children ages 18 and older were surveyed. 60% of them were focused on saving for retirement. But if they had to choose to boost their retirement savings... 42% of parents who are not saving for college said they're saving for retirement. A lot of families who say they're saving for college admit that they're doing so through their retirement funds. And a third of them intend to use them for college. Urgency intensifies as your kid is born. There is no urgency. He's a little bundle of joy. He's a little sugar booger of love. But as he ages, you get a little bit more urgent, you get a little bit more anxious. And you start making some mistakes that you typically wouldn't make. 6% of parents in the thick of paying for college are drawing on retirement funds or taking a loan 
6400 plus dollars. Too much. I'm not going to, you know, go all crazy on you and say veto. Veto. But that's a problem. Other stories of note today. I've already done this one pretty well. But the concept of AMC Networks is a great learning lesson, in my opinion. AMC Networks, some hit programs, Breaking Bad every year, more people watch it. Break, uh, Walking Dead every year, more people watch it. So you get the idea. They've got some hits. Mad Men. I don't know if every year more people watch it. I know it was for a while. But it is what it is. Be careful working with what I refer to as conflicts of interest. I get emails every day from you out there. And you can email me, rob at robblack.com. Financial advisors have long told clients which stocks, bonds, mutual funds to buy. Now, they could also be pitching mortgages. Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Merrill, uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo. They can now you know, take a look at your financials and say, hey, look, let's you know, push you towards a mortgage. There's one guy in the industry who claims to have an audited track record that doesn't, but you kind of believe him because it sounds good. A generation ago, advisors were largely considered brokers who earned commissions by selling their company's own mutual funds, as well as individual securities and stocks. You always have to question how the person you're working with in the financial industry makes money. A lot of ways to get in touch with me. i got a webinar coming up. I have a seminar coming up. More information about those will develop. Got Black Wednesday next Wednesday. Not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, the following. In Fremont. You can learn more about that at kdow.biz, kdow.biz. I'm on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.